Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Well, welcome everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at The Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, I've Ridge Lead Pastor Mike Van Rees. Mike, welcome back to the studio. Thank you. Yes, great to have you here as always. So Mike, you had us back in the Gospel of Luke uh, this past Sunday, and you focused in on just a few verses in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. And this is quite a familiar story for people, if they're familiar with the Bible at all, where Jesus is out in a boat with his disciples. All of a sudden, uh, the wind picks up and they're caught in this severe storm. And the boat's being swamped by the waves, they're all in danger of being submerged, and the disciples awake Jesus, because he's sleeping, uh, amazingly, through all of this. And then in a moment, he calms the storm. And Mike, I love this story because, as you mentioned in your message, it, it just reminds us of of God's stunning power, you know, mm-hmm. just in that moment, calming the waves and, and the wind. But I'm also aware that sometimes God doesn't calm the, the storms in our lives like that. You know, it's it seems like storms can arrive and they continue to rage sometimes despite our asking God to to silence the storm. So my question to you is, why do you think sometimes God chooses to navigate us through life storms rather than silence them like Jesus does here? I'm glad you brought that up, Will. Um, I think that's a really a, a key insight into this passage, because like you mentioned, this is a pretty well-known passage mm. in terms of Jesus. I think most people with a, a bit of understanding about Jesus would be aware, oh yeah, didn't, didn't he calm a storm? Right. Yep. Um, It's in all the Gospels, it's in this one, we know that, but I do think one of the things that can happen with familiarity is we can misunderstand the point or what God is really going at there, Mm. and nowhere in here is the point, you know, yep, Jesus did calm the storm, but the point of this passage isn't Jesus is going to calm all of your storm, and we hear that. Right. You know, I have seen teachings, I've heard teachings that come out of a passage, this particular passage, and say, okay, now we're going to talk about three ways that you can calm the storms in your life. Is yeah, that what you read in this passage? Right. No, that, yeah. that's us taking off on a theme that I don't think is the theme that is part of here. You look at the, the Bible, how about Paul? You know, we read in mm. Acts, he was shipwrecked, right? Mm. He was in this huge storm, and God didn't say, oh, I'm going to protect my missionary here. No, the ship broke up. You know, he ended up being on an island for a while because of that. So the point is not that God is going to calm every single storm that we have in our life. Mm. Um, That is uh, his purpose here. It wasn't, he didn't calm the storm just so that the disciples would be safe and comfortable. Wasn't the purpose. We have to say, well, why did he calm the storm? Well, the reason for that was really specific. He was demonstrating who he was. Right. This is a demonstration that Jesus isn't just a nice guy. Jesus isn't just a good teacher. This is a demonstration he's God. Mm. There's only one that can do that. So it's really pointing toward the the divinity of, of Jesus in this. And so... Understand that. That's yes, that's really good. An important Super piece helpful. of this passage, and the question that you ask, I think, is really an important one, and one that I wrestle with on a personal basis. So, if he can do that, 
Mm. If he can calm our storms, and some of those would be symbolic, you know, mm-hmm. not just a weather-related storm, well, why doesn't he? I wish he did. Right. You, you know, in, right. in my moments when I'm in a storm, I can theologically say, yeah, I know he's not going to calm all the storms. I know what happened with Paul, but I still don't like it. I believe he he can, and I believe he's that God and has that power, but I still wrestle in those moments during the storms. Why aren't you calming this one? I don't have a great answer to that. I don't know why God doesn't calm some of the storms that he does. I think I can look back at storms that I've been and say, I know some things that God has done when I'm in the storms. Mm. Um, one is I look back and a lot of the storms, what, what they have done in my life is they created a higher level of dependency. I realize, you know, when, when the sea is pretty calm, my need for God mm. isn't as evident. Right. And so storms do keep me humble, keep me dependent on him, realizing his power and not mine. And I think another thing that I recognize with it is that I've learned a lot during storms, that I've grown a lot during storms. There are many things in my life that I would never want to go back and relive, but I wouldn't want to lose the lessons that I learned during those stages too. It's kind of like one of the the fun phenomenons we have now is helicopter parenting. Right. So... I know a a parent who they said, well, their kid was struggling with a math assignment. And so they come home, didn't know how to handle it. Parent is actually kind of an engineer, took it, did it for them, you know, whipped Mm. out their assignment in no time. Okay. So for that, for the, for that evening, your kid's going to have less anxiety because you did it for them. Right. They're not going to learn. Mm. or maybe not learn the right things. I learn, mm-hmm. hey, mom and dad's going to help me out with yes, this, and yeah. I don't have to do it. Um, but we learn through testing. We learn through trials. That's part of the process of, it's part of, the process of growth. Mm-hmm. How, how about you? How, how would you answer that question, Will? Well, I, I think I would agree with the mystery side of things. I think we'd be hesitant to try and give any definitive answers on why God calms certain storms or brings a miraculous healing, maybe. Uh, for somebody, but but not for others. And we feel like we just stay in that storm, you know, it becomes part of our life. But I, I do think that often those storms give us an opportunity to see relationships in a new way. You know, how many people, Mike, have we heard from here at the Ridge that they're going through a difficult time or they suffered a loss in their family and yet they experience the church community, people who are following after Jesus, but coming alongside them and around them. And mm-hmm. so I do think if we don't go through those kind of storms and difficult seasons, sometimes we don't see that, you know, God working in and through others. And ultimately the glory goes to him, you know, where we see kindness and provision, uh, whether it's somebody bringing a a meal to us to our house or picking our kids up from school or whatever it might be and helping us in that time of need. I I do think that we get to see the church in action most clearly in those, those kinds of seasons. And so it does, a lot of it comes down to trust, which kind of leads me to our next question, uh, really trusting in God. Cause you, you said a, a bit about crisis and turning to God in crisis. And Mike, I think, we can learn a lot about ourselves in crisis, especially when you think about who or what you turn to in crisis, what your first port of call is. But you encouraged us that ultimately God should hold that place for us, that we should look to him first in those seasons of crisis. 
But I, I do think that requires faith and, and trust and his goodness and his power. Mm-hmm. If we're going to, if we're going to have that reflex, as it were, in those seasons of crisis that we, we turn to him. So Mike, how do we grow to have that kind of trust, that kind of faith in God that it does become the reflex response to, to turn to him? I think that my answer to that question brings me back to the really center, the very center of Christianity, and that is what God has done for us in Jesus, the cross. Mm. There is nothing like that in any other religion where God would say, I care so much and so deeply about what's going on that I am going to make these sacrifices on your behalf unprecedented. And so I I look and I say, you know, yep, hard to deny that there is suffering, that there's pain in the world. Hard to deny that. You know, it's around. We experience that. And so then when we say, well, how do you reconcile that with God? How can I trust him even though he hasn't taken care and calmed this storm in my life, even though he's not explaining why I'm facing this challenge? Can't answer all those questions but here's the one thing we, that, that we can answer with certainty is he cares. Look at the cross. He cares. Mm-hmm. He's involved. Um, and so I think that looking at the cross, he doesn't have to do these things, but he chooses to. He cares about what's going on in humanity, in the world, and in the life of individuals. Who else has that level of care? be pretty hard-pressed to find it. So I think even with we don't fully understand why some of the things that happen happen, still knowing and having that that focus on the cross, showing he is a God who enters in and who cares, does help a lot. And so how do I, I grow in trust? I think one is recognizing who he is, remembering the center of our faith with the cross. And I think really the other one is by actually following him. And, you know, I mean, that way it sounds a, a little weird that way, but um, it, it, we can believe in him in our heads, but not in our lives. And I think there's nothing like actually doing it and doing the things that he's calling us to and living the way that he's calling us to live that we, we go from theory to reality. We don't just believe him in our heads. We can see in our lives that he actually does make a difference. Our faith becomes our experience. Mm. If we never go there, if we never try these things, if we never take some risks trusting that his way is going to be good, we're never going to experience uh, that it's good. It's just going to stay faith in our head rather than experience in our life. So I would say doing it. You know, example would be in my life, um, the, the, the area of tithing may shock you, but my natural inclination wasn't to just give away 10% of, right, you right. know, of what I had coming in. Nope, that wasn't my natural inclination. But like, all right, well, I see this. This is what God is saying and is what is what is teaching. So I'm going to try it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me on paper, but there was nothing like actually going there and trying it where, you know, I can talk about, well, God provides when you do that and God finds ways, you know, to be able to use that for purpose. But when I actually go there and live that out, then I experience how God provides for me firsthand. Then I experience firsthand how God arranges my priorities in life, how God uses that discipline to shape me in ways to have him bigger in my life and things smaller in my life. I see it and I learn and I trust him more when I actually follow his teachings. Yeah, it's super good. 
Can I just return to just your first point about the cross you know, being a place that we return to? We've talked about this on the podcast a few times that uh, the cross isn't about just about our salvation. It's also a statement of, of who God is. Yes. But I also mm-hmm. think of, I know you're tying it in with that, but just saying it in terms of the resurrection, because the cross for me, it speaks of the love of God, but the resurrection speaks of the power of God. Mm-hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and just a couple of Sundays ago, I I gave a sermon about pain and God redeeming our pain. And I think that's why the the cross and the resurrection are so significant on so many levels. But one of them is that it's an an example, prime example of God's power to overcome death and to overcome the darkest thing really that's ever happened in the course of history Mm -hmm. and to be able to work bring life out of it. And so that also builds trust, you know, Mike, that you're saying you kind of spoke to this in your message as well, but think about who you're turning to, you know, it's like that lady just saying, it doesn't really matter who we pray to. (laughs) Well, it does actually matter who we turn to uh, in that time of need and who better to turn to than one who is all powerful, all loving, sovereign. And so I think we have that fresh encouragement as we look to the cross, as we look to the resurrection. God is, he's a God of love, God of power. Yeah. Well said in the cross and the resurrection, we see both. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. One last question. Uh, Just at the end of your message, you left us with these two questions. You said, where is Jesus asking you to trust him? And then related to that, what are you afraid of then? Kind of off the back of the first question. So I just wondered, would you be willing to share just a personal example of an occasion where you felt like God asked you to trust him on something? Maybe you felt a bit fearful, but you stepped out anyway. Maybe just share your experience in that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, There are big ways and small ways. This is something that's kind of regular uh, in life for me. You know, if I think about a big one, a headliner, um, starting this church, that, you know, as I look back in life, was, was a really big one. And my first response to that was hesitation. Mm. And if you say, why hesitation? Well, I know why there was hesitation. It was because I was afraid. Mm. That's what was really driving that hesitation. And valid reasons to be afraid. This might not work. There aren't people. I don't have an office. I don't have a desk. I don't have paper. I don't have pens. How do I pull? How does all this happen? Mm. How do I do all that? I feel so um, under-equipped to be able to, to manage that. And so great fears um, that came in. And so overcoming those fears was a big part of being able to move forward and say yes. And as I took some of those steps, God provided, and people was one of the main ways he provided to realize you're not alone in this. Um, Right. uh, There are other people, but it took some steps uh, Mm. into the fear to be able to to move through that. And it's not just the big things. You know, I can name, there are a few big things Mm -hmm. like that in life, but I think that I experience and have to face this issue of fear regularly. Example would be, you know, by the time that, um, and you, you've you given sermons too, by the time it gets to the place where you're delivering it, you know, you've spent some time, thought through it, have a pretty mm-hmm. good idea what God is saying with it. Mm-hmm. First time I open up a passage, there are many times I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Right, really? It's right. like, you know, and we're in Luke now, so that's not as as much, but like I'm starting to do uh, some work. We're going to move into uh, Habakkuk in, some of in the, the fall. Some the Old Testament stuff. There are some of them in there that I'm looking at right now. And yeah, I mean, I just get this feeling like, wow, um, what? where is this going to go? Right. Uh, so 
my first reaction oftentimes is fear. It's like, God, you want me? I'm going to at some point need to explain this passage to people. Mm. Um, and it takes a while. And so this is a weekly thing mm-hmm. for me to, mm-hmm. to deal with facing that fear. And I think I'm getting better at trusting that even though I don't get this passage right now, I'm trusting that God is going to open it up to mm-hmm. me, is going to help me understand it and bring it to a place where I can communicate it in a way to help other people understand it. That's faith. When I first open it up and read the passage, there's oftentimes fear in that. Yes. And part of it is, I think, in the midst of that fear is asking the Holy Spirit to help you put your hand in God's hand. When you have fear, uh, sometimes you're like, God, can you just make everything clear so that I don't have fear? There's no unknowns. So often God doesn't do that. Right. He calls us into the unknown, mm-hmm. and that's what faith looks like. When I think of two biggest moves I think we made, really, with uh, moving in with Rand Collective when that started, and then uh, moving to the East Coast and going to the Washington, D.C. area, those were really places where there was fear. I mean, the closer we got to really stepping into it, there was fear, and there was so much unknown. Did God bring complete clarity before we stepped in? No. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those unknowns were there, and yet it was I, – I look back on it now, and I think there was a Holy Spirit-empowered faith there where I was mm-hmm. like, we can't do this by ourselves, Lord. Would you give us the strength to trust you, mm-hmm. even in the unknowns? And, of course, that is faith. If there's complete clarity, it's not faith. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't I mean? need faith. You then. don't need yeah. faith then. So um, I think that is, uh, that's something to be mindful of. But again, Mike, I agree with you. It's not just the big things. There are little, little things. Somebody could come in here on a Sunday service, and they're, they're talking with people. Maybe they have a sense that the Lord is leading to talk to a stranger. He's across the lobby and just feel like, I need to go and just say hello. That can be a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that God is asking us to trust him in that. May I look a bit stupid if I go up and it's a bit socially awkward? Maybe. But be mindful that we're not just talking about the big moments of God calling us into mm-hmm. some sort of mission work. Or it can be those everyday things as well, as you've mentioned. So, Yeah, yeah. fear invites us to faith. I love that. Wow, what a great place to, to end. Well, Mike, thanks as always for your time today and just all the work that you do put into these messages in that office of yours. Just very grateful <laughs> that the Lord has provided you that space to be able to craft these messages um, with his guidance. And thank you for listening. Just before we go, love to draw your attention to our new series on the Ridge University podcast. And I got to say, I'm pretty excited about this one. It's called The Story Behind the Story. Recently, I sat down with my friend Seth Sparks, and we talked about the popularity of certain plot lines, like good versus evil, romance, rags to riches. Turns out the popularity of those stories, though, have deep connections to God and the Bible. So why not join us as we explore the biblical roots to our fascination with fiction? So thanks again for being with us. We hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at The Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.